This is Mission Work Optional, sponsored by True Wealth and Company. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to secure your family's investment legacy, create a work optional lifestyle, accomplish all items on your bucket list, and ensure your money outlives you. This podcast will self-destruct in 30 minutes. And now, here's this week's mission with your host, Brian Sarf of True Wealth and Company. Welcome to Mission Work Optional. I'm Brian Sarf, and we're here every Tuesday at 5 a.m. You can find the Mission Work Optional podcast on iTunes, anchor.fm, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This week, I am joined by... Dr. Maritza Buenavir. She is in geriatric psychiatry at the VA in Topeka. Uh, she completed med school and her psychi- psychiatric residency at the University of Kansas School of Medicine. Currently, she is providing care to veterans in inpatient, outpatient, and long-term care settings. She specializes in the assessment and treatment of mental health disorder in the elderly, dementia evaluation and treatment, focusing on non-pharmacological interventions and education of caregivers of persons with dementia. I wanted to have Dr. Boinevere on that we can talk through this growing concern because I have clients that have this issue. You see it every day in your practice, and I need more education on it. I know that, that our clients are asking me for that education, and so I'm hoping through this podcast we can provide that to them. So welcome, Dr. Boinevere. Thank you very much for having me here. Yes, I love the conversations we've had and the work that you do and all the time that you put into giving back to the community is just absolutely wonderful. This is a very important subject. As our population is getting much older, we know that our baby boomer population, those that were born between 1946 and 1964, that we call the baby boomers, is the fastest growing population. And by the year 2030, and even 2050, they're going to be at 85 years and older, and they're going to be growing fast, definitely. And is it typically over the age of 80 when when you have the most severe symptoms of dementia, or when when do you really see that beginning with most of your patients? Well, depending on what kind of dementia, but dementia can appear, now we know, 20s, 30s, and 40s. We know that one of the highest risks of developing dementia, the type Alzheimer's dementia, which is the most common, is with age. So if you have a room with 10 people that are 65 and older, at least one of them will have Alzheimer's dementia. Wow. And if, uh, as you get older, then the risk increases. There are different types of dementia as well. I will talk that a little. Yes, about absolutely. that a little later. I know you have some prepared documents that we have in front of us that we're going to kind of walk through. And do you want to walk through some of that, and we can get into sharing some of this education and, and help everybody that's listening better recognize and better respond, and how to help them have a better life with those loved ones that have dementia and, and some memory issues. Well, definitely, Brian. One of the first questions that I always ask is, when you hear the word dementia, what comes to your mind? What do you think? I always think of older, usually men. Mm -hmm. Um, That's typically been my experience. It's older men in their 70s and 80s that are really having a tough time with remembering recent conversations. 
remembering. So most people, the first thing that they say, you know, is older. Second, Alzheimer's. Yes. And third, memory. But we have to start thinking about that dementia is not just a memory loss. You probably have been noticing a little more what we call the executive function. You know, the inability to have good judgment when people are talking about, and your clientele probably more uh, finances. Yes. But when we think about dementia, we need to think about our brain, right? That's the organ that dementia affects. Um, The most important and the least understood. Exactly. (laughs) So when you go to a doctor and they say you have heart failure, you know, you get all all kind of tests and x-rays and sonograms and all these fancy tests that we do. When you have dementia, not many people get scans of the brain. But when you think about dementia, that's what you have to think about is brain failure. We understand heart failure, kidney failure, right? But that's what it is, is brain failure. But I know it's scary and it's one of the, you know, one of the areas that I know most people, if they realize that they're having some issues personally, that they don't want to get help. They want to bury it aside and hope it goes away and it just resolves itself and that nobody else will notice when everybody else has already noticed. Mm -hmm. They already see it. They may not know that that's what's happening, but it doesn't go away. And I typically find they wait till it's really bad to get some help and they don't want to talk about it. When it is too late. Yes. Correct. Yes. So uh, another question that I have, Brian, is what does the brain do? The brain does everything. It helps you connect your thoughts. It helps you run your body subconsciously controls all of your mm-hmm. functions and that it, it's your memory of everything that you have it's uh, you know it's your fight or flight system whether you need to rev up all of your energy to deal with something you're fearful of it helps you experience all of your emotions in life correct you know it so people the way we express right the way that we react to situations the way that we react to a, another person right? We respond. All that is involved in how the brain functions. When we grow up, we learn new functions, right? The new functions, what I'm talking about is we recognize that we have to go to the bathroom and learn how to go potty on our own, to bathe, to shower, to get dressed. And we learn this. These are called basic activities of daily living that are very important to recognize because those are the last things that a person with dementia loses. Be able to get dressed on their own, to feed on themselves, to be able to walk. Then when we're teenagers, we learned more like higher functioning type of activities of, of daily living that okay. are called instrumental. For mm-hmm. example, driving, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Being able to give your own medications and shopping and finances. Mm-hmm. And then start planning for your future. They call, you know, more of that executive function. Those are the first things they go when a person develops dementia. Mm. Being able to go to the ATM and withdraw their own money, be able to drive. They start getting lost, having near miss accidents. They probably come and see you and discuss some of their future planning. And then they go home and maybe the spouse recognize when they say, well, did we see Brian? 
or maybe they remember they saw the advisors and then they don't remember what they talked about. Oh, yeah. we need to go back and talk about this. But that or they happens. decide to change a lot of their conversations mm -hmm. that you have. This is how we're going to invest this or not. So that's how you can notice when they come to your office. But also the family members can start noticing you did that. They start asking questions mm -hmm. over and over again. But they'll forget they were here. They'll call back again and talk when I visit with me and say, I know I came to your office. I know I talked to you, but I don't remember what we talked about. Or they'll call me back and want to do the same thing they already did a few weeks ago. If they want to withdraw money again from an account, and I know they've already done it once, then I'll tell them, oh, you, are, you did that last week. We took care of that. And so we'll see those types of interactions with us that we know that there's some issues. And then usually what I do is I call their spouse. If it's the husband that's having the issues, I'll call his wife. If it's the wife that's having issues, I'll call the husband and we'll have a conversation with them personally to let them know that I have some concerns. Have they seen anything at home? How do we want to approach it? Have you all talked about it yet? And then kind of go from there with them of whatever their plan of attack is. And most of them have said, yeah, we know it's an issue. We know it's ongoing. We know that things are happening at home. We've been talking about it, and we don't know what to do. We're talking with a doctor, but we know that it's a concern. What do you recommend? Oh, that is frightening. It is. That is frightening. I can I can imagine. I do deal with a lot of the caregivers, paid and unpaid caregivers. But denial, first of all, is one of those first issues that yes. that's not happening to my husband. or And they have noticed it. And, for example, when a person develops Alzheimer's dementia, which is one of the most common types of dementia, mm -hmm. it happens just so slowly and it's so insidiously pronounced that a lot of times the spouse, male or female, takes over everything the other person is doing, and all of a the sudden they they, they don't realize that they're doing what they always did plus what their spouse was doing before. And so they don't, they're in this stage of kind of denial or they don't realize. But if the children come and visit or the grandchildren come and visit, they notice, you know, what's wrong with mom? What's wrong with dad? There's something different in here. Especially when the spouse that's been doing the caregiving is sick. You know, I had a client of mine that he had dementia and his wife got sick and was in the hospital for a few weeks. And he was completely lost, and his uh, daughter had to go over and stay at the house with them and take care of him. They fall basically, apart. Basically, and help, yeah. And then they, that's when they realized that, wow, dad has these issues that we didn't know about, and what do we do, and how do we help mom? Because mom's bearing the load of taking care of both of them. You know, and she didn't want the family to know, and so she's helping out to keep his dignity, keep his independence, because she's scared that they're going to make dad go to some care facility or some other things that they might not want to spend their money on and was really trying to keep all that from the family. And that's another tender area to talk through. And another times they're not trying to keep it from the family. They're just taking over slowly and they don't even realize that yes. that's what they're doing mm -hmm. until it's too late. So it's not like you have a heart attack and all of a sudden you have this massive procedure to go in and have a triple bypass and it's fixed. You don't have a, a massive incident like that. As you said, it's over time, it's years, and so it just progressively becomes worse. And I tell you what, Ryan, spouses, even when they pass away, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> oh, the children, that's when they really see how has dad or mom been functioning. Now, 
I want to mention that we have been talking about dementia, dementia and Alzheimer's, but yes. dementia, uh, this is very important to understand, that dementia is an umbrella term. A person can be diagnosed with dementia, but really they're not diagnosed with anything yet, right? There are at least 80 plus types of dementia. Really? I the most common, 80? 80 plus. Wow. The Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. Yes. Vascular dementia, that means when your vessels, you know, if the person has a major stroke or little tiny strokes, you know, people who has history of high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, triglycerides, or they have had a heart attack, they have little tiny multiple strokes. This kind of people, they're doing okay, and then all of a the sudden, there is a sudden change in their cognition, their behavior, things that they cannot do, their functionality. They're not able to do certain things any longer. And then they stay like that for a long time, and then there's another one. We call that stepwise deterioration, okay. which is a little more noticeable. Uh, Lewy body dementia is another type. One of, I'm telling you some of the most You're, common yeah, types. Please, yeah, I'd love to hear about the Lewy body dementia is associated with movement disorders. These people more often than not get diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. They're falling a lot, and then they're kind of okay, and it's like, well, what happened in here? They, sometimes they have a tremor, and they really cannot find anything else because memory-wise, they're, they, they're not having problems remembering things that happened recently, like a, a person with Alzheimer's dementia. Sure. So it's like, oh, well, maybe it's a Parkinson's disease. They get diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. They give medications for Parkinson's disease. They usually don't respond very well to that. But then all of a the sudden they start seeing animals or children or tiny little people. That's very common hallucinations with Lewy body dementia. These people tend to deteriorate faster than someone with Alzheimer's dementia. We, we say it's more like a Alzheimer's on steroids. Sure. So, and that's another type. And then frontal type of dementia is another type of dementia that affects the frontal part of your brain and, and, and a lobe that is called temporal. So these people, they have difficulty with their language, with their speech. Usually that dementia presents more with word-finding difficulties when they're communicating, stuttering. The memory loss is more towards you know, middle to later stages. Okay, so how do you diagnose which type of dementia someone has? There's not really a, I can't go take an easy test and figure out which one. It's gotta be a process that you have to follow. So how, do, how does that happen? Well, really we don't know what type of dementia someone has clinically, specifically, until they pass away and we have we do an autopsy, okay. correct? But we clinicians can diagnose the type of dementia through clinical tests that we do. Okay. The diagnosis of dementia is really a, is a diagnosis of what we call exclusion. You have to, first of all, exclude that there's something medical going on. If your thyroid, you're having problems with your thyroid, this person can present with some memory lapses and problems that can seem to be dementia. Yes. If a person, for example, is taking medications from over the counter, 
specifically those Tylenol PMs or Advil PMs, you know, something with Benadryl can also affect the memory. So we have to rule out medical, psychological, someone with depression can present with Mm -hmm. memory problems. We treat the depression and then they're they're better. Yes, I had a client who went through that with his mother. She lost her husband. It was a couple years after, and she had a lot of memory loss issues, and everybody just assumed she had Alzheimer's, and it was just part of getting older because she was in her 80s. And she went and saw a psychiatrist. They went through some series of questions and tests with her, and they said, no, she's just really sad that she lost her husband, who she was with forever, and we're going to go through a treatment of depression. And they treated her, and they said within a few weeks, mom was back and normal and just raring to go, and she's normal mom again. And they went through and found that that was the cause of it, was depression. Exactly. But it was all the signs of Alzheimer's that they just assumed that's what was going on until they worked with a professional like you to actually help them and the family work through and find out what's really going on. So so you have mentioned a couple of times, and, and that is a, that's a beautiful story because I get veterans to come to my clinic, and the family is suspecting that there's some type of dementia going on, and it's just depression. I know the times medications, like yes. I just said, Benadryl, not only Benadryl. Veterans go or pay, people go to the hospital because they have pneumonia and maybe develop some change in their cognition in the moment, inability to understand what is going on. The infection causes something called delirium, which they can still hear, see, but the brain is just not making the connections. So sometimes they see things or they're just sleeping too much. With this delirium, people tend to diagnose dementia just with that. Mm. And it's like, no, you know, you have to rule out. You have to see what is going on at the moment, what has been happening recently. So we physicians supposed to look into that, have good collateral information from the family, and then do a series of tests. When an older person goes to a doctor and they say, okay, well, what's today's date? And what is the month? And where are you at? There's this a little few questions. Oh, I don't remember. Or I'm retired. I don't pay attention to that. Time is one of the most dismissed facts by a person. But a person who doesn't have dementia or memory problems, if you say, well, tell me the year. They can come up with a year, but they can't even tell you what the year is. You you have to think about it a little farther. You know, why can't this person? But it is easy to say, you know, Doc, I'm having memory problems. Yeah, you're 82 years old. You know what happens. So a lot of times even the doctors dismiss it. Yes. So there has to be a high, you know, fact of suspicion, suspicion by the physician and by the families. I always tell my families, write down some of those behaviors that you noticed. Like when you hear in your office, if you start noticing things like that with your clients calling, and it's like, I really don't remember, you know, mm-hmm. what we talked about. That's right. Or if they even came in, I think as part of the portfolios, you also could start adding things up for the family because we all become part of a family when we work together, correct? That's right, yes. So I recommend to the families and to the spouses or to the children, write down those things that seem odd with your mom or with your dad or with your spouse. And that those are the things that you take yes. to the doctor 
right? Because um, they really become another person. I mean, their personality changes a lot of times. And what you normally know your mom and dad as, you begin to see things. That's not like mom. That's not like dad. That's not what dad would do or mom would do. And you begin to see those as kids, especially because you're not with them every day. You may just see them four or five times a year on holidays or major family events. And you'll notice the progress a lot differently than if you lived with them every day to see the things that change over that time frame. Correct. They're not there any longer, Mm -hmm. like they say. So what do we do? We usually do blow work to rule out anything they can cause. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Just a normal blood test or is there a special blood test you follow? Normal. We do a complete blood count. Okay. Make sure that the platelets are not low. Make sure that there's not an infection going on. We look at what we call electrolytes, the sodium, potassium, liver, the thyroid is very important. Vitamin B12 and vitamin D are also important. What happens is as we age, vitamin B12 can decrease just because our body is not absorbing Mm. it as well. When you're younger, we usually don't do a vitamin B12 just because unless you have been drinking and not eating much, for example, Mm -hmm. or malnutrition. So we we rule out everything that is medical. A good list of medications. Go to the doctor, bring that list of medications, not only that you're taking from other doctors, but from over the counter. And with the baby boomers, you know, the herbal medications, you know, alternative medications that people take. Well, the CBD oil, and now they can get medical marijuana, and they can, you know, have all of the pain pills that they can take and all the prescriptions that are available. From over um, the counter? Yeah, from all over the counter. And then with, then uh, combining that with what's prescribed by their physician can really be a pretty potent cocktail. Correct. So all that is ruled out. We like to have a neuropsychological evaluation. A specialized psychologist, neuropsychologist, or geriatric psychologist does that. It takes about two and a half to three hours. And they look at what we call cognitive domains, attention, memory, executive function. So that's another part of the puzzle. And we also like to have a baseline imaging, you know, a CT of the brain or an MRI of the brain. And like, like I said, dementia is a diagnosis of exclusion, and we need to have all the pieces of the puzzle to see if this person is presenting with dementia or is something else that is causing the presentation. Yeah. Once we decide it is dementia, a lot of people ask, what are we going to do? There's no cure because dementia is progressive. Right. Right. There's no cure and is irreversible and is terminal. So it's the organ failure of one of your systems in your body is brain failure. So what do we do if there's no cures, correct? Well, it's it's scary to know that you have a progressive disease that is going to be with you for your lifetime, that's only going to get worse, that you're not going to be able to, to stop, and eventually your brain's going to stop working, which means if the brain stops, everything stops. Everything stops, exactly. You cannot recognize pain. You cannot recognize that your bladder is full or communicate. The reason we want to know what type of dementia, Mm -hmm. going back to that question. (laughs) Because, I mean, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I know it's terrifying. I have clients that will tell me, well, I'll know when that happens, and then I'll deal with it myself, and I'll be able to take care of myself. You won't know that you have it, and you won't know that you're in that situation. You may have some lucid events in between, but I think a lot of times as it progresses, they lose some of those moments when they realize that something odd is going on 
and they don't realize that they have the condition that they have, but their family sees it every day. Yeah, they don't know. But but why do we want to know what kind? So neurologists and psychiatrists and primary care physicians recognize the different types of dementia, like the ones I spoke to yes. about, mm-hmm. because the progression is different. Mm-hmm. Somebody with Alzheimer's dementia can it can be there, you know, anywhere from three to twenty years. When somebody with a Lewy body dementia, anybody anywhere from three to five years. So, and how initially the presentation is different, maybe towards the middle, late stages, ended up being the presentation may look similar. But education, first of all, with the family, to the family of how to communicate, education. Also, of what to expect is very important because once a person is diagnosed with dementia, it's not just that person who is affected. The whole family is affected. The people that surround mm-hmm. this person, you yeah. know, is affected. So where do you get the education from? What are the great resources that people can go to to learn more? Well, the first, the best prescription that I can write, for example, is the Alzheimer's Association. Okay. Their local Alzheimer's Association, you can pick up the phone and call and say, you know, I'm suspecting this, or my loved one has been diagnosed with dementia. They have support groups. They have a tons and tons of education online. When you look at Alzheimer's Association, the language is written to a level that an eighth grader can understand it. Okay. There's videos in there as well. Oh, that's great. So, and then also they can direct you to where to go. Your primary care physician usually um, could send you to be evaluated by a neurologist. Uh, and have a uh, neuropsychological evaluation by a psychologist. And there aren't many geriatric psychiatrists in the community. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of psychiatrists that do practice geriatrics. They were more specialized on those behaviors. So when I get people, they are already a little more advanced. Okay, sure. So how do we go before someone has dementia? How do we see the warning signs? I'm looking down the list that we can talk through some of these of these red flags and warning signs that we begin to recognize that something's not right. Something's out of whack. Something isn't making sense, if you will. Can we walk down through some of these and yeah, talk to them? Yeah, definitely. And by the way, those of you, if you're just popping into the podcast, uh, this is Mission Work Optional. I'm visiting today with Dr. Maritza Buenavir. And she's a geriatric psychiatrist with the VA in Topeka. We're here talking about dementia and the different types of dementia. You know, for those of you that are business owners, you know, you may be in a succession planning situation where you're going to take over a business from a family member or someone. And as they age, they may have some of these issues. Certainly as you go into retirement and your spouse retires or both of you retire, These maybe can present themselves as younger kids. I have a lot of clients that are in their 50s that now are beginning to take care of their older parents. And their older parents in the silent generation are experiencing a lot of the effects of dementia. And then we see some of our older boomers are beginning to elicit some of the beginning signs of dementia. And families are having to work through that and and deal with that. And so I, I thought it would be wonderful to have you here to visit and to talk with us today about what you're seeing in your practice and how we can help families better communicate and learn from each other. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Talking about the red flags or, or warning signs, yes. if you go to the alzheimersassociation.org, there is a list in there of 10 warning signs. But you can also go to very different like advisors or clinicians, and we'll have 10 warning signs for dementia. Yes. They're more applicable to your practice. But Really, they're all about the same. So when we talk about 10 warning signs, when a person is asking questions over and over again, you know, they, they turn around and then they ask the same thing. They turn around and they ask the same thing. Yes. When a person goes to a room and they forget what they're there for or misplaces things. I do that, but I'm able to backtrack. Don't we all, yeah. Yeah, right? I leave the room and it's like, oh, <laughs> I went to get this. Or, for example, coming from the grocery store and you put things away and then you can find your car keys. If the person doesn't have dementia, they're able to backtrack to, okay, I put groceries away. Oh, there are my car keys in, my, in the freezer. I did that. That's why I give that example. <laughs> but a person with dementia cannot do that, cannot backtrack. Or they may come across what they were looking for and they don't even remember they were looking for it. Right. Oh, it's easier to just blame their spouse. They're hiding things from them. Yes. You're putting them away. You don't want me to do that. Or somebody's coming into a house and stealing things. Mm-hmm. Also, they seem to be disoriented to surroundings, social settings, or the time or the place. You're driving with them somewhere, and they kind of, for a moment, maybe doesn't, they don't even recognize where they're driving to. Or how did we get here? That type of thing. Sometimes what I hear a lot is like, well, but my dad remembers when we used to go to the park or with his friends about the world, specifically with details. So he doesn't have dementia. Well, they may remember old memories very well. Mm-hmm. And that's very common. Yes. But not what happened yesterday or the day before or a month ago. I had a client of mine that passed away a couple of years ago. It was certainly in advanced stages of dementia, would not listen to me to go get help and treatment from it. Um, He would call me all the time with multiple questions. Mm. I tried to get family to intervene, and we just couldn't really get any treatment for him and any help, and we all just became a support network for him. And he knew that I knew he had issues, and we would he would talk about it. And when he came in, he'd say, I don't know if we talked about this yet, and if we did, let me know. And then we would go through everything, and I would give it to him in writing, but we decided and then whenever he had a, what was going to call me again, he would look at his notes to see if he talked to me already. And so we would have to work with him to not pull multiple times to pull money out. Mm-hmm. of not giving money away, changing beneficiaries on forms, you know, forgetting a lot of those items. The but, poor judgment, Brian. You're oh, terrible about, poor judgment. That's yeah. what you're talking about, the poor judgment. Yes. Giving their social security uh, number away, falling for the scammers. Right. Or coming and telling you, you know, I want to change my will because something triggered in their mind that maybe that what they had decided five years ago is not what they want to do now. People can change their mind. That's okay. Of course. But when the person has dementia, their reality sometimes is not the reality of everybody else. They are maybe back to 10 years ago, and sometimes they don't even recognize their wife. They know it's this nice lady that is here, but the first wife, maybe they're calling that wife the name of the first wife. And then they want to rewrite everything. It is irritating, but when we understand there is dementia, that's the part of education Mm -hmm. that the providers and the Alzheimer's Association and other associations can help with. And I see another one of your red flags is 
difficulty completing familiar tasks at home or work, preparing meals or forgetting that they actually made the dinner that night. And so having those normal daily tasks they do, they just can't complete those anymore. And that's going back to the functionality, Mm -hmm. being able to drive from point A to point B, knowing that or make a plan to go from here to California, calling and, you know, arranging the tickets, the hotel and all that. Grandma doesn't want to cook Thanksgiving dinner anymore. Because if you think about when you put a turkey in the oven versus when you put pies, that's executive function. And you can see it. A lot of people lose that executive function first before anybody notices memory problems. Mm-hmm. Finances, not many people balances a checkbook any longer. <laughs> very few of us do, <laughs> an old generation. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> but Or the bills, paying the bills. I used, I, I used to ask about paying the bills. Oh, no, everything is set up. The, you know, it's automatically yes. drawn from the bank. So I guess I cannot look into that anymore. But you are looking and you are working with people who have to use a very high executive function when it comes to their finances with their money. You know, they may not think about it at home, but when they sit here, they have to think through it. Mm -hmm. And you probably notice much more easier, you know, when there's difficulties and those red flags than just their kids when they come over on a Sunday to have dinner and and dad just said, oh, hi, my love, how are you? And never mentions the names or the names of the children. Or they tend to say, oh, I have so many grandkids, I just don't remember their names. Yes. Very, you know, easily dismissed. And I, I have uh, one of the recommendations I've made with clients who have their parents are developing dementia, or one of them is, that we try and automate all of their bill paying online so that they can help mom and dad monitor everything remotely and they can talk to the bank. You know, they're a signer on the bank. They're not, they don't own the accounts jointly because we never want to do that. But they're a signer on the bank. They can talk. They can see everything. They can log in online. And they can make sure that everything is is, is operating the way it should be and trying to make sure that they're not going to give money away or, or, or buy crazy things with their money or forget to pay bills and those things that are necessary for their life. So we try and automate those. And usually we have, as we age, we have more and more banks that we have money with. Mm-hmm. And it's consolidating to one bank where I had I have a client now that they have money at nine different banks in four different states. Okay. And they don't have a lot of money, but it's just where they have money at. And so we're closing all those to consolidate to a couple of accounts at one bank and so that the family can help their parents manage their money. And very important is that two or three people, or they they have someone, they have assigned somebody to help them with these financial situations, have a payee, for example. Yes. Because a lot of times they go to the bank and they take the money out and they put it in another bank. The, The people in the bank, they don't know this person have dementia. And if you are a younger person, to me, a younger person is a 70 year old or a 75 year old, it's a younger person. Mm -hmm. They come in, right? Hi, how are you? This is my name. I have this money. I want to deposit it, open the account. They don't see any deficiencies because they appeared really well. And that is also the problem with any type of these dementias, that they appear so well that people do not suspect 
that they mm -hmm. have dementia. Unfortunately, our society, the person have to look old and frail to say, oh, maybe they do have dementia. Mm -hmm. Now, we have very young people in their 50s and 60s that are very healthy, they do have dementia. Well, I, I noticed another item on your list, one we already talked about, is difficulty speaking or finding the right words, that they have trouble remembering the right word as they go through, and they have those pauses like I just had. Because I have clients that'll take that long pause, they're searching for a word, they can't think about it, and so they'll just pause and pause and pause and try and come up with other words around it or something that sounds like it. And I have that, uh, have seen that with a, with a few clients as it happens over and over. And usually their spouse will jump in and help them find the word. And they go, oh yeah, that's right. That's what I was thinking of. So word finding difficulties. I have that problem because of English being my second language, yes. right? So sometimes it's like, I don't think in Spanish any longer, but another word pops in and it's like, oh, that's not it. <laughs> but we have to think back about what is, is this common on this person and how much worse is it now? So this spouse can tell you that, yeah, he's really having difficulty or he was the one that used to take care of everything in the house, finances, mm -hmm. drive, and, and he's just not. Not he's anymore, just, yeah. He just can't do that any longer. And also they start looking for the meanings of the words because they cannot express the word. Yes. So you can find that. What about the withdrawing from work or social activities? They don't want to go to church anymore because they realize in the early stages, I just don't recognize that person's name. So they feel embarrassed. They, they become withdrawn from the situation. That can also lead to depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to go to the social club anymore or the spouse don't want to take them out to dinner anymore because it's embarrassing of the things that they say. You know, they blurb out things that they shouldn't or they can't even order from the menu any longer. Wow. Number eight here was the changes in mood and personality. I know we've talked through that a few times already. And then poor judgment. I see that as typically where it begins with the repeated questions is usually the first thing I see. And then I see poor judgment as well coming through with finances. And that's when I start to get involved. Making decisions, yeah, that are inconsistent with their current and long-term cares and commitments. Definitely. Mm -hmm. This is when they are default victims of this, all these scammers as well. Yeah, I have a client of mine that uh, her mother has given away tens of thousands of dollars to scammers. They've had to take over as power of attorney for her accounts. They, she doesn't have the ability to get to any of her money anymore. And they basically pay for everything and give her a little allowance and do everything for her because she certainly has uh, some type of dementia. And so they have to protect her from giving her money away because she will. If she has it in the account, it's going to be given away to somebody. So that's, 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 that's when payee is very important to have. Mm -hmm. And when they open these bank accounts, have a letter from the doctor. I write a lot of letters. They go to the banks that, you know, indicating that the person does not have the capacity to come and take all this money out any longer. And that's very important. And I know for you that is, it should be a priority. Absolutely. Uh, or we need to bring the kids in. Yes. So, Brian. Yes. Talking about conversations with your clients and with the children, do you find that, this is a question for you, difficulty to bring them in when you notice these changes in your clients? It is. It's difficult, but it's necessary. Mm -hmm. I hold myself out as a fiduciary, and I am supposed to, and always do, help clients make decisions that are in their best interests. 
And if I l- see that they're not making decisions in their best interests and doing things that are not normal for them and not in line with what they have always done, then I'll typically, I'll start to talk with the spouse. Uh, and then if necessary, then we'll bring the kids in and have one of the kids on a speakerphone or in person while we're talking through what's going on with their money as we're doing a review. So we have another decision maker in the room that's family and trying to talk through how we help mom and dad with their finances when this begins. Did you find a lot of denial from the spouse or the children? No, no. Um, they, they're they very open to it so far. The clients I've, I've worked with and talked with, they're very open about it. They know they have some issues. They, they like that I bring it up to them and talk with them about it. They like that I see it, and then they want to talk through what what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, what how do we, we do approach this? Mm-hmm. Where I have seen the denial. So when I have the clients that are younger, and they have their parents that they know have issues. So the parents aren't my clients, but their kids are. So their kids are in their 50s or 60s, and they're going to help mom and dad, and they usually will move mom and dad into their home with them. And it usually ends up being a really, really big issue because they want to help mom and dad. Mom and dad helped raise them. And they want to have mom and dad come live with them because mom and dad can't take care of themselves anymore. And as soon as they move mom in or move dad in or move both of them in, they had no idea how bad everything was. And they begin to realize that this is serious and I can't do this on my own. I thought it was going to be a few hours a week I would help them, and it's a 24-hour a day, seven-day a week, and especially when they moved to a new situation because for one of my clients said, you know, my mom and dad, they knew where everything was in their house. They could find it easily. Everything was there. It's been there for 40 years. Now they moved to live with me, and the bathroom's in a different place. The bedroom's in a different place. The stairs are in a different spot, and they're completely lost and tripping and falling in the house, and it's just been ridiculous trying to figure out what to do. And then they're doing things at odd times of the night, you know, two in the morning up making, you know, making breakfast uh, when they normally wouldn't eat till, you know, nine or 10 in the morning. Yes. They get up and they open the door and they want to go back home. Yes. And a lot of times, even if they are at their home where they have lived for 50 years, they always want to go back home where they grew up. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get this silver alert. Or they'll go on a walk. Or they're going to drive, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll go on a drive, and they'll forget where they are. So I had a client of mine that his dad hopped in the car and decided to take a drive. And when my client got home from work, he's like, where's my dad? He's supposed to be here living at the house. He's an hour and a half away. Luckily, they had an app on his phone that they were able to find out where his phone was. They called the police. The police went to the phone. Well, the phone was in the car, but dad wasn't in the car. And dad had gone walking thinking he could get home because his car broke down. Oh, so they found him and got him together and got all the got everything organized and got him back home and took care of him. But for two hours, they, they couldn't find dad and had to go find him. So we have this sandwich generation, mm-hmm. right? We have those younger people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who still have children at home taking care of those children and their, their parents have dementia. Yes. We have those other ones that are in their 50s, early 60s, and their spouse developed dementia, and their parents do too. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about dementia, but also we need to remember that the caregiver burden, that is the other reason we want to diagnose early, that we want to diagnose what clinical type of what we call what etiology, what's causing that dementia, what type of dementia the person has. Because if we don't take care of our caregivers, 
If we don't educate them, right? A lot of times the caregivers die before the person with dementia. Or they burn out. the stress. They just burn out from the stress. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the other part of that Alzheimer's Association. Now, I didn't mention the local agency on aging. They're also golden. Do you call the agency on aging? Leavenworth has one, Wanda County has one, Johnson County has one, and they'll give you information. If you don't have a a physician or a provider that you know, or they can guide you through maybe names of people that have Mm -hmm. worked with them as well. I want to talk through, I want to close out our podcast today. This has been wonderful. Thank you for coming in to share with us today, Dr. Boinevere. It's been wonderful to visit with you. Oh, I love doing this. Thank you. I know you, you do. Thank but you for This was so important to get out to our clients so they can hear and listen and think through this as this, you know, because what we're talking about today isn't going to change for years. And uh, for people to be able to come back to this to help them through as they begin to see the signs. So I love your summary of how to help caregivers and how to help loved ones work with family members that have dementia. And the so communication. Talk that. Yeah, talk through that. Like never argue, instead agree. Yes. Talk through that and, and let's close with, with walking through this list. Well, first of all, when a person has dementia, you have to always remember that when they're mean or when they say things, is the disease talking and not the person, mm-hmm. right? So the reality of the person is very different than yours, specifically with Alzheimer's, for example. So you're not going to try, don't try to bring them to your reality. Meet them in, the, your, in their reality. Okay. So don't argue or try to reason with a person because it's a mood issue trying to reason. Did you remember? You know I told you this? You know, that's going to make the person more upset. Yes. Trying to redirect, trying to smile more. If you recognize those signs and you already know that the person has dementia, these tools should help you. If you don't know and you start recognizing the signs, get that assessment. But this way to communicate will help you a lot. Don't try to reason, like I said, but try to distract. Use use music. Mm -hmm. Use stories that maybe brought a lot of happiness. That's called creating moments of joy. Mm -hmm. Because maybe the person will not remember what you guys were talking about or arguing about, but they will remember the feeling that you left them with. Oh, sure. Always go with the flow. Let hurtful comments roll off your back. Use distraction, like like I was saying, music Mm -hmm. or coffee. Music is very important. I tell my patients and their children, I want you to start making a list of the music that mom and dad used to just enjoy and love, music from their era. Mm -hmm. Because that music is going to help the person calm down. In the evenings of the night, that sundowning that happens on people with dementia, more confusion. They're Mm -hmm. usually doing very well during the morning you know, mid-afternoon, and then at night, they're very confused. That music tends to really calm them down. Never argue, instead agree. Never reason, instead redirect or divert. Never shame, instead distract. Never lecture or just reassure what they're going through. Because if you think the person is making your life difficult, 
they feel in it that they're making your life difficult and yeah. they don't know why this is happening. Mm -hmm. Never say, remember, or do you know? Mm -hmm. I usually say, you know, can you tell me? Or let's reminisce. Or just talk. start talking about a memory yes. without asking that word, remember. Never say, I told you. You told me that already. I told you that already. <laughs> Can you repeat that? Just repeat it or just answer it. Never demand. Always ask. And always look at what they can still do, not what they cannot do any longer. Helps them have confidence in their day. Really quick to expand on that. Yes, For please. example, if they cannot feed themselves, or you put all this food in front of them and they don't know what to grab, or you say, oh, what do you want for dinner? Help them redirect. Do you want chicken or fish? Mm -hmm. Or put one item at a time or order for them in the restaurant instead of overwhelming them with so many things. So can they still pick up things with their hands? Well, give them finger food. Make their life simple. Yes. Thank you for being here today so much. I You're appreciate welcome. it. You're very welcome. I want to do this again and talk some more. I'd love to have you have a class that we can get our clients to and that they can attend and listen and learn more for those that are more concerned. If anyone who is listening to this would like some more information, you can email me directly, brian at retirewithtrue.com, B-R-Y-A-N at R-E-T-I-R-E-W-I-T-H-T-R-U-E.com. I have a number of resources that I can email to you, a number of things I can direct you to online and can help you find some peace in, in working through the difficulties that dementia brings to families. Thank you, Brian, for having me here. You're very welcome. Thank you very yes. much. Thanks for listening to Mission Work Optional from True Wealth and Company. I'm your host, Brian Sarf. We'll be back Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. Be sure to spread the word to your friends and family, and don't keep us a secret. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, connect with us on LinkedIn, and don't ever forget, invest wisely, save early so you too can make work optional. You've been listening to Mission Work Optional with True Wealth and Company. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com or call us at 913-653-TRUE. That's 913-653-8783. All matters discussed during this program are for informational purposes only. This podcast in no way shall be construed as a solicitation to sell securities or advisory services to residents in any other state than Kansas or where otherwise permitted. Topics should be discussed with your individual advisor prior to implementation. Advisory and insurance services offered through True Wealth & Company, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas.